Monday morning. This is Dustin Hobbs of the California NBA. Welcome to Connect, our weekly podcast featuring one-on-one interviews with movers and shakers in the mortgage industry. We've got a great guest today. I'm really excited to get into the conversation with her and chat about, we're going to talk today about some litigation issues, some legal and regulatory compliance issues, and sort of uh, switch gears a little bit from the last uh, few weeks. So, but before we do that, I want to thank our sponsors at Incelerate. So Incelerate helps lenders close more loans through better borrower engagement as the mortgage industry's most innovative marketing and sales engagement platform. Incelerate CRM helps lenders manage workflow, contact strategies, lead management, referral and realtor partners and reporting. Incelerate's engagement platform automates multi-channel marketing through social media, email, direct mail, text messages, ringless voicemail and phone calls. It's all pre-built with the strategies and content to enable a better borrower engagement. Incelerate integrates with the software that's already powering your business today and in the future. So in addition, the platform is SOC 2 and SSAE 18 certified to satisfy the most closely regulated businesses, including banks that have uh, mortgage subsidiaries. So for more information or to see a uh, demo, visit Incelerate.com or contact the company at the phone number in the description below. So normally this time, I would uh, welcome in Susan Malazzo, our CEO, to give us a quick update, but actually I'm going to give that update today. So we've got good news. As of late last week on Thursday, uh, Assembly Bill 2501, which would have enacted sweeping new forbearance measures that went well beyond the Federal CARES Act uh, mandates for residential multifamily mortgages, it's been defeated uh, on the floor of the Assembly on uh, Thursday of last week. So the bill failed passage earlier in the week, and then uh, Thursday's session was the last scheduled session before the uh, deadline, the legislative deadline that it needed to pass uh, came. So the uh, bill is now considered dead, which is great news. I want to make a uh, big thank you to everyone who responded to the Mortgage Action Alliance uh, request for uh, um, engagement, our request for engagement. Everyone did a great job getting out and reaching out to their legislators and contacting them by phone and email. It made a big difference. And this is a huge, huge victory for the mortgage industry. So uh, make sure, and if you haven't already seen the alert from us, you can uh, shoot me an email and I'll send you some more details about it. But this is a big win for us. And if you want some more information about other bills that we're following, make sure and go to our website, cmba.com, and click on that advocacy tab. And you can follow the day-to-day tracking of uh, all the bills that we're following uh, throughout the legislative session, because we've actually got a few more months to go. So you never know what can happen in the, uh, in the last few months of session. So make sure and check that out. All right. With that out of the way, let's uh, welcome our guest today. Uh, Monica McCarthy is Managing Director, General Counsel at CrossCheck Compliance. I've known Monica for a number of years. Monica has been involved in the association for a while now, and she's done a great job of both uh, even uh, uh, chairing both our uh, legal issues and regulatory compliance conference for a few years, as well as our mortgage quality and compliance committee. So if you've been on any of those uh, uh, MQAC calls or uh, webinars, uh, Monica has been uh, sort of at the, uh, the heart and soul of putting those together for a few years. So thank you, Monica, and thanks for being here. Thank you so much, Dustin. I appreciate the opportunity and to be part of this podcast uh, with the CMBA. Great. All right, well, let's uh, let's dive right into the Q&A here. So w- tell us your uh, your journey through the mortgage industry. What uh, uh, sort of, what were the steps that you took? What led you to uh, where you're at now with uh, CrossCheck? Sure, well, my journey started a while back when I was uh, an attorney and I was in private practice at law firms downtown LA and found myself doing work for financial institutions. So I did that for quite a while. I was a litigator and labor lawyer, and then I went in-house. And I went in-house to a mortgage company. And then over the years, I became general counsel and worked in that capacity for various um, companies, 
both publicly held, private, uh, also did a stint consulting. And then I was also general counsel of a fintech, sort of a startup, again, in the um, you know real estate space. So um, that's sort of my background, heavy mortgage. And it was actually in 2016 where, you know, the work that I've been doing had been, you know, working with lenders of different sizes and advising them on, you know, litigation, business matters, crisis, critical situations and all of that, that I found myself in transition and trying to figure out what did I want my next opportunity to be. Uh, and it happened to be at a dinner at the CMBA's Legal Issues and Regulatory Compliance Conference. And I was at a table with a whole lot of the usual cohorts. And um, we were people were asking what I was going to do. And so the founders of CrossCheck, um, Jim Jorgensen and Mike Forrester, said, well, you're going to come work for us. So what they did was we fashioned a job just for me. Uh, so I have, a, I have a dual role with CrossCheck. I am their general counsel. And so I provide them advice and counsel um, on the business and all of the legal and ethics and other issues that we deal with. But then the other part of my role is I also do business development as a managing director. And so I really um, have enjoyed that since 2017. And it enables me to both keep my finger on the pulse of the legal issues as we work with banks, mortgage, fintech, credit unions, hedge funds, other companies in the industry. But then also helps me leverage that vast network of folks that I've come to know over the, my career in the industry and enable me to participate in CMBA activities and other associations. And that really helps me, you know, with the networking, but also I love connecting people. And so that's part of my job and I enjoy that a lot too. Well, that's interesting. I'm so glad. I had no idea that uh, you had uh, uh, met the CrossCheck guys at uh, at the conference, at our Legal Issues Conference. That's so exciting. Yeah. Um, so tell me, I'm curious, uh, this is, you know, what's on everyone's mind right now, the uh, um, COVID-19 uh, pandemic. So you know, each week we're asking, I'm, I'm just uh, curious, uh, you know, how each firm and each uh, company and, and lender is dealing with the issue. Um, so how are you guys? How is the firm handling the, the fallout? Um, you know, what's been sort of, uh, you know, the way that you guys have changed business and operations and, and how has that affected you? Sure. Well, initially, you know, back back in March time, as with everyone else, um, you know, in, in the industry and in business, there was a significant amount of uncertainty. And, you know, candidly, we did not know how everything would affect our business and our clients. And we do have a diversity of clients, you know, which, which is good. But, um, you know, we fortunately were accustomed to working remotely. Most of our team was equipped and did most of their work um, on some level remotely. So it wasn't a huge transition for us. We had a few people at, at headquarters that were accustomed to coming to the office, but outside of adapting those, we were fine. And so we were able to not really skip a beat and continue to work. Uh, but one of the next steps that we really took was to reach out to our clients and to determine what was happening for each of them. How could we continue to work with them? What issues were they having? You know, what we saw was some folks that did not, were not accustomed to a remote workforce we're having a tough time and we're scrambling, you know, from getting laptops, security issues, you know, and so they had some downtime and some things weren't happening. Um, others, you know, adapt a little bit more quickly. Um, and again, you know, diversity of clients. And so they were handling things differently. Um, and so I think by now, it's a couple months later, 
um, we're, we're able to, we were able to continue to work and are continuing to work. You know, some of our clients uh, were very focused on issues surrounding the pandemic. So, you know, some, some projects, you know, got pushed back. Um, others wanted to move forward more quickly. Um, and so we've just continued to do things. And today, the new normal, here we are on a podcast and everyone's getting accustomed to Zoom type calls and meetings, um, having a screen where you've got nine people and it's like we're playing Hollywood Squares and you get to work with your, your clients and coworkers that way. But so I think we're doing well it's in the new normal. I think we followed our business plan. We, we had a pandemic provision, so I was very proud of that. Oh, wow. I think like a lot of folks, we're, we've worked through it, but we, we've really come out of it better than I think we had anticipated. Well, I'm curious, you mentioned that you guys had a pandemic plan. What, you know, roughly, what would you say, what percentage of the industry had, of lenders and other uh, vendors in the industry have anything like that? Well, honestly, I think in the business continuity plan that is part of almost everyone's, you know, sort of CMS and their base policies, I think there is likely a provision in most of them that would cover something like that. And I think you saw a lot of that come into play after 9-11. Mm. Um, and I think that's, I started seeing at least, you know, living through that as a general counsel, a lot of um, folks started thinking more about what their plans were for business continuity if something, if a disruption like that occurred. And so I think that that's why people do, were probably more likely than not to have something that could cover the situation. Okay, so you think probably more people had something in place now than pre-9-11? I do, I do. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's. Uh, I'm curious uh, when you're talking to your clients and prospects and stuff. What uh, what's your sense on uh, where they think we're at uh, recovery-wise? Obviously, rates are crazy low right now, and it's really helping a lot of, keep a lot of lenders busy. Um, but what's their what uh, maybe what's your biggest concern about the recovery going forward? Well, I think as far as concerns go and the shape of it, I think that I was very impressed that uh, with our financial services clients, especially mortgage they were blocking and tackling from day one. So I think, you know, already as far as recovery goes, they didn't skip a beat. And I think that I was very impressed, especially um, with the mortgage industry and all of the lenders, because they were challenged uh, right off the bat. You couldn't do an appraisal. You know, how were you going to meet your client to get the loan documents signed? What was what was title and escrow doing? Um, you know, what was happening with the online notarization and dealing with that and the legislation um, and, you know, a myriad of issues down to how they were going to record documents. And then all along the way, guidelines were changing. Investors were taking actions. GSEs were doing things. So I think that you know, in order to recover, you had to get past all of these issues and steps. And I think that this mortgage industry has, you know, figured figured most of that out. And so I think, um, you know, that's working well. I think for those of us that are active in the private securitization space and that do some of that due diligence, I think we were a bit, um, you know, maybe not surprised, but you know, seeing the loss of liquidity in the non-QM market and that how that almost vanished overnight, um, you know, that was disconcerting um, to a lot of folks, to the players in that space. Um, but what I will say is I think we're seeing some signs of a comeback, 
I know that I have seen some auto securitizations and there's a little bit more buzz of that coming back, but I think it all really surrounds um, how the economy is coming back and the recovery is gonna impact those non-QM borrowers that I think will give more comfort to let that piece of the business go forward. So, Do you think that's more of a, a, a GDP issue or an unemployment rate? What's the What would you say is sort of the metric if you're uh, worried about uh, the non-QM market? You know, I think it's going to be more on the employment side of, um, you know, a lot of people that are business owners, um, independent business owners that tend to be in that non-QM space when we see that they have a little bit more stability uh, in, in, in running their businesses. I think that there'll be a little bit more comfort um, in that area. So, and I think everybody does look at the economy as a whole as well. Gotcha, that makes sense. Um, so let's uh, switch gears a little bit. Uh, I'm curious what your thoughts are on how lenders and servicers are adapting to the changes specifically around uh, uh, forbearance requirements with the CARES Act. Obviously, we just uh, had uh, late last week, the, uh, uh, the bill out here in California, AB 2501, failed passage, which would have changed the scenery around here dramatically if that had passed. But what's your sense on how they're, you know, uh, how they're how they're adapting to the new forbearance requirements? Yeah, well, I will say kudos to CMBA and MBA for a lot of their actions, getting the rest of us to take action uh, with the Mortgage Alliance um, to really, you know, watch the legislation to push back because that's been very um, you know, stressful and put a lot of concern on all the servicers with forbearance. So I think these are definitely challenging times for servicers. Um, and I think those challenges are operational uh, for the most part. And um, you know, I will say that most of the servicers, you know, if they think back to the mortgage crisis of 0708, they've already put in processes and implemented plans that had to adapt to those new rules and guidelines. So I think that they've had to do that again um, with these new guidelines and rules, continue to have that consumer focus that the regulators um, and legislators are wanting them to have. Um, and so I think that um, you know compliance cannot take a back seat during this time because you know they've got to do training on all of these new issues. I will say that in um, looking at all of the things that the servicers are required to do, it honestly makes my brain hurt to think about how they're going to roll that out with employees being remote, having to deal with consumers in these special ways and dealing with all of the new guidelines and forbearances and different states and all of that. So very challenging. But I think it's going to require them to do what they do, which is put your processes in place, update your systems, train your people, monitor and audit. Um, Crosscheck does a lot of auditing of servicers and subservicers. And so I think we're going to continue to see that uh, because the regulators tend to have a sense of looking back mm -hmm. at what people have done and how they've done it. And so everything from servicing transfers, which I think we're going to see an uptick in um, to how that was handled, um, to all of these other issues that the servicers, um, you know, lenders, everyone's really going to have to be focused on that and continue to just have good uh, compliance systems and training and monitoring uh, in order to adapt um, to that.
So do you think, I'm curious, uh, you know, you mentioned the 07-08 crisis and sort of the experience coming out of that. Do you see a lot of that experience still at a lot of the servicers that uh, you guys work with? I mean, is that, I have to imagine that experience has got to, you know, even just the, the actual experience of a person going through that, not just having the procedures in place, but having that actual lived experience. Do you see a lot of those people still at the servicers and still being able to provide that uh, lived experience? Well, I would say yes. I mean, I think that servicers have been under scrutiny by their regulators and in particular the CFPB um, of late. And, you know, we work with a number of servicers and the CFPB has been very active. And so all of those things that were put in place in 07, 08, um, they have had to continue to ensure that they're doing things right and it continues to be a challenge, you know, because you're 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 trying to deal with um, servicing the loan uh, for your investor, but still being helpful to the consumer and being transparent. So I think the the issues that the regulators are touching on that that on some level still continue to be challenging is the data integrity mm. um, and just really having good data and um, good documentation um, and transparency with the consumers of what, what's going on. Those continue to be challenges um, for, for what the servicers have to deal with. And so I think that, you know, a lot of folks in the servicing space have been around a while. And so I do think there are people that can give good guidance, but with all the new technology and people trying to do things better and faster and better consumer facing, as you adapt to those changes, you have to make sure all of your disclosures and things are there as well. It makes sense, yeah. So aside from the forbearance issues, what would you say is uh, the most pressing regulatory compliance issue right now that lenders face? Well, there's a, there's a couple of them, I think. Um, what goes hand to hand with the forbearance issues is fair servicing. So as I said, we've seen the regulators be tough on the servicers, and I think th those are fair servicing issues. So I would say that's one. Another one that is of um, particular interest to me is that lately we've really been looking and hearing a lot about um, fair lending issues. And that's coming out of not the pandemic so much, but um, as a result of a lot of the um, injustices and um, social un um, unrest that we've had. And what we're seeing is you know, banks who have to comply with their CRA requirements but also non-depositories are saying, what can we do better? How can we um, lend or what can we do more for those underserved communities? And so that's really opened up um, quite a bit of dialogue um, for us, uh, both with, with clients, you know, both banks and mortgage lenders and the like. Um, and also um, I've been talking to a lot of our law firm partners, a lot of the lawyers that specialize in this area. And just, you know, bouncing ideas around again, you know, what can people do? And it's very similar to, um, you know, back in the day when we were dealing with predatory lending issues. Um, and some of those strategies are, are still there. Um, you know, at CrossCheck, we do a lot of the fair lending work, um, helping our clients on all different levels, whether it's in litigation or just getting their humdalar pulled together. And I think what we're recommending is um, that if this is an area that lenders want to look at, Get your arms around what your Humda data is telling you. Mm -hmm. You know, where are you lending? Where aren't you lending? 
especially those lenders that have different channels where you don't have boots on the ground in all these communities, you know, what do you look like? What do you look like against your peers? Um, and those may be some things that folks want to look at now. While I'm not saying that I suddenly see the CFPB turning on its, you know, fair lending uh, scrutiny, although one never knows what might happen next year, um, you know, we, we just think that that's an area people are talking about because a lot of what's going on um, now. So yeah. those are the issues we're seeing. Well, hopefully there's some constructive dialogue that can come out of that. Um, so uh, what about uh, some, uh, you mentioned uh, litigation. Uh, what are some of the, you know, key legal and litigation concerns that you've got right now as far as the next maybe 12 months? Well, I think that everyone is um, fearing that there will be litigation out of all of the forbearance issues and as folks come out of that. And so a lot of that timing, you know, will depend on when the forbearance periods end, um, how well consumers are going back to work and can transition back to paying and the like. And so we'll have to monitor that. But that's one area that people are concerned about. Um, you know, and, and again, I would say that they we should all look back to the lessons learned in 07 and 08. Um, some of the issues that came up there um, and um, revisiting some of those claims, causes of action and, and things um, of, of late. Um, the other areas where I think we might see some litigation where we strongly are recommending our clients really train their folks are on the new uh, credit reporting issues and those new requirements so that they're following those and it doesn't give rise to any potential claims. Uh, but that's definitely um, an area that, you know, we could see some activity. Um, uh, and I would also say that, you know, probably not so much for all of the mortgage lenders, but for those banks that did the PPP lending, there are already class actions out with some allegations um, around the fairness um, of um, who got those loans and who did not. So I think there's um, some of that there. But um, I would just recommend folks keep up their fo consumer focus, what the regulators are going to want to see, and just to well document what they're doing now so that they can help mitigate those potential litigation claims down the road. Gotcha. No, I think that's good advice. Um, so what would you say then as we uh, you know, start to start to wrap up here, what's one thing, if I'm a, if I'm a lender, especially like a, a C-level uh, executive, what's one thing that uh, you think I should know that maybe I don't know? Well, interesting. You know, I wish I had a crystal ball, but I do not. And I think that all of the law firms and associations that we work with and know have done a great job with all the COVID updates. So I think we have gotten every update, every projection um, from every source um, so far. And what I would say is, you know, if this is your first crisis um, for those in the industry, then um, there's a lot of issues that you need to be aware of. But I would say that, you know, for most of us, we've been around for a while. This, we know this is a cyclical industry. We remember the high interest rates of the 80s. We remember the Russian ruble crisis of the 90s. We remember the mortgage crisis of 07, 08. And, you know, all of those were cyclical. All of those things caused changes to our industry, to the way we process loans, to how we deal with certain vendors and consumers. 
But at the end of the day, we all came through it. So I would say that we're all striving to keep moving forward. I anticipate we're all going to thrive. So, you know, remember that we shall get through this. And, um, you know, I want to say, too, that I would say that continue to be very inclusive. It's not just lenders and servicers. It is all of those vendors that are out there. It is all of those technology pieces that make their, their systems work. Um, it's the title companies, the escrow companies. It's, you know, all of the associations that are helping with the legislation and the monitoring. And it's all the great law firms that, you know, we all are relying on and leaning on to keep us updated with all of their webinars and updates. And so, so I think that, you know, we just have to collaboratively work together. And, you know, as you said, the industry with mortgage rates, hopefully staying low for the next, you know, six, 12 months, I think it looks, it bodes well for our industry. So that's what I would sort of say, just remember what, what we've been through and know that we're going to, uh, strive and thrive out of all of this. It seems like the only thing, the only uh, constant thing has changed, right? Absolutely. Uh, all right. Well, hey, Monica, thanks for the conversation. Great to see you. And hopefully we'll see you in person here in the uh, next few months at a conference once we are able to meet in person again. As much as I enjoy the back and forth, uh, you know, over, over Zoom here or over uh, uh, webinar format, I, you know, I think we're all kind of missing the one-on-one uh, -on -one handshake, uh, you know, uh, interactions that uh, we've been gotten so used to. Absolutely. I miss the networking in person and send out, you know, all the best wishes to the CMBA team and all of our friends and colleagues. So thanks again. All right. Hey, thanks again, Monica. And uh, if you've got, uh, if you enjoyed the conversation, make sure and uh, follow us here on our YouTube channel. You can also follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or SoundCloud as well. And then uh, make sure and mark your calendars. We'll be back here next week on Monday morning for another episode of Connect.